in Luke chapter 2, we come upon a very familiar passage, the Christmas story. And uh, being 39 years old today, I'm sure I've heard it a thousand times in churches, either through Sunday school lessons or sermons or whatnot. It's a familiar story of the coming of Christ, a familiar story of Mary and Joseph. It's been played out in 10,000 different variations in churches throughout the ages that have tried to uh, go back and remember what would it have been like to have been living in that time where shepherds would come to visit, where wise men from the east would come and pay tribute to worship Christ, our newborn king. As the star was shining in the east, as the angels sang, as the shepherds were doing, keeping watch over their flocks, and suddenly God's people, God's messengers showed up in amazing ways, and the story, their life story, was forever changed. The reality is that we, when we look in Luke chapter 2, we see the shepherds, we hear the angels, we've got hymns that we sing this season which commemorate this event. But there are some things that are on the page that often we don't spend that much time thinking about. And one of those that I want us to really, really capitalize on is in verse 7 of the passage of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, and then the Bible goes on to say, because there was no room for them in the inn, or there was no guest room available for them. No room for Jesus. No room for Mary and Joseph. Why? Because the entire known world at the time was being taxed. And everybody had gone to their hometown to pay their taxes. And so Bethlehem would have been bursting at the seams. All the hotels, the Holiday Inn Express, the Motel 6, the Hyatts, and everything else in between had been taken up. In fact, even the Vagabond Inn had been completely filled. The only thing left for Jesus to be born, the only thing left for Mary and Joseph was out in the, in the, in the remisses of the day, in, the, in kind of the, in a part of the field. And if you've never been there, there's a place traditionally known as the Shepherd's Field. Uh, it's a place uh, in Bethlehem, outside the city of Bethlehem, where, you know, they have a church. They, they build a church over everything. Uh, and so they build a church at what they traditionally believe is the site. doesn't matter whether it's a site or not. What's amazing is it's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and you go out and you see this place where Jesus was perhaps born. Of course, there's other places that, that people will say traditionally where Jesus was born. doesn't matter. It's just out in the middle of no man's land is where Jesus was born. The king of kings, the hope of the world, this baby born not even in a Motel 6, wasn't born in grandeur, was born in just nothingness, in a feeding trough, a manger, a feeding trough. And I, the irony of that is Jesus became food for all of the world. This baby who was placed in a feeding trough would soon feed Millions upon millions of people because what God did in Christ is he brought us to him. He didn't necessarily just bring himself to us. He brought us 
to him. He takes us from our midst, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our lostness, in the midst of our nothingness, and he makes nobodies somebody. And the question of the day for the birth of Jesus is the same question that we would ask today. Is there any room for Jesus this Christmas? Our culture celebrates the birth of Christ only to the extent that they can profit from it. I mean, I went the other night, I saw many of you the other night at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, as you were shopping. And here's the thing, who, who do you think would have been there at 2 o'clock in the morning? I would have thought it would have been people, idiots like me, people my age. No, senior adults, some of you in this very room, we ran into at the mall. So we weren't the only idiots out, and it's not just idiotic for the young people, it's idiotic all over. We saw a lot of senior adults out and about holiday shopping. I won't mention any names. And, uh, you know, it's so easy. I mean, I, I heard, you know, I was in Belk. I was at Kohl's. I was at Michael's. I was everywhere else in between. I was even at Chick-fil-A at midnight. So excited that Chick-fil-A at the mall opened at midnight. And um, had my pepper, peppermint shake. It was awesome. It was, uh, it, I felt like I was having communion. Um, and so, uh, you know, did all these things. And you could hear the Christmas celebration. You could hear the songs about Jesus. And, you know, you could hear about Christ being born. But here's the thing. The only reason Belks plays that is because, and I'm not anything against Belks, but the only reason that Belks plays that is because they know it puts you in a jolly spirit. And if you're in a jolly spirit, you'll look at those sales signs and you'll want to throw down some hard-earned cash. Listen, they're not about Jesus. Well, let me say this. They're only about Jesus to the extent that they can profit by using him. And before we throw belts and other corporations under the bus and say we're only interested in Jesus because of what we profit from him, be careful because I wonder how many of us are only interested in Jesus to the extent that we profit from him. You see, because when we trust in Christ, we profit from that experience. We profit from that belief. We profit from what God has done in the person of Christ. Our profit is eternity spent in the dwelling place of the Most High God. Is there any room for Jesus this Christmas? In the midst of the hustle and bustle of the season... Is there any room for Jesus, not only this Christmas, but is there any room for Jesus in your life? Our lives are so busy. For those raising families, you have this sporting event and that dance lesson to get your kids to. You have this family get-together and that Christmas party for your workplace. You have this toy to buy or this gadget to buy and that cake to bake or that dessert to make. Your schedules are filled and I guarantee you that most of you, you don't care about the calendar at any other time of the year, but whoa, when it comes to between November 30th and December 31st, you gotta, you got to schedule that in. you got to see, well... We've got this party this night. We've got this event. We've got this workplace. We've got to do this. We've got to go shopping here. Oh, this is when this sale's coming. Yada, yada, yada. And if you're not careful, just like everything else that gets penciled in on your refrigerator, which gets penciled in in your iPhone, so to speak, or whatever it might be, Jesus gets relegated to the leftovers. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving lunch or dinner on Thanksgiving Day? How many of you would like to have some turkey this afternoon? 
about half the amount or a quarter of the amount of people that raise their hand initially. Listen, we like leftovers only for a season. And then they get old. And after they get old, we throw them out. So if Jesus gets relegated to the leftovers, don't think you're going to treat him any different than you would treat the Thanksgiving turkey. Don't th- I mean, you, you're going to think that. You're thinking to yourself, oh, well, Jesus is different. Well, is he? Has he made any difference in your life? Is there any room for Jesus in your life? Because our lives are so busy, our schedules are so full. And then the other prolific message of Luke chapter 2. In those days, in verse 1, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken, and everyone was taxed. And so everyone went into their own city. There was a tax. Do we know anything about taxes these days? How many of us are taxed? And I'm not just talking about financial. I'm not talking about IRS. I'm talking about how much of our lives are taxed. How many of us would view our lives as taxing? See, Jesus didn't just come for the freedom. Those who are free, Jesus came for those who are heavy and burdened and who are taxed beyond limit. Taxing is much more than finances. The taxing can be taxing relationships. It can be taxing experiences. It can be taxing abuse. It can be toxic faith. It can be a wide variety of things. And so Jesus is someone that we hope for. Jesus is the Hallmark movie in the clouds that we so yearn to be a part of. But Jesus seems so distant from you and me. And then suddenly something happens in Advent or during this Christmas season and we get excited and suddenly we feel close to Jesus. But here's the reality. Our closeness and proximity to Jesus is defined by the things around us rather than the God who should be living in us. Is that our story? Is our story one in which our worship of Christ depends on the external? When we sense blessing, when we've had a good day in business, when we've had a great day, is it it always based on the exterior things? Or should our devotion to God be based on what's in here? We're heavily taxed. Is there any room for Jesus in our life? Jesus, Jesus often gets our leftovers there's no room for him in the end there's no room for him in the guest house there's no room for him in our lives because we are too busy in the new testament we're like mary and martha busy 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 preparing the way but yet we don't realize when jesus has already come into our presence we're so busy doing things for god that we're too busy to actually serve him Jesus gets the leftovers. Jesus was relegated to the margins of experience, to a place where no one dreamed a child, a king, would be born. How does Jesus show up in your life? Is he at the primary place of existence for you? Is he at the center of where he needs to be in your life and in my life? Or is there no room for him in our minds, in our hearts, just like there was no room for him when he was born in Bethlehem so many years ago? 
where has Jesus shown up in your life? Has Jesus shown up at Christmas time? Has he shown up in occasions at a church gathering or social? Or has Jesus showed up radically in your heart? Is there any room for Jesus? Does he merely get our leftovers? Or is he our primary king of kings and lord of lords? What should our response be during the holiday season? How do we make him the priority amidst the tinsel and the balls and the bows and the lights and the candles and the festivities and the shopping and this and that and everything else on our schedule? It comes back down to the simplicity of the poem by Christina Rossetti who penned these words so long ago. What can I give him as poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give to him? I will give him my heart. Is there any room for Jesus? Is there any room for Jesus in your life and in your story? The hope of the world, the hope of the universe, the salvation, the joy that was for all people. Born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus Carve out time experience. Allow the hope of the world not to get the last fruits, not to get the leftovers, but allow Jesus to be your main dish. What can I give him? I'll give him my heart. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the hope of the world that's come in the form of a baby who's made his advent in our lives and in our story. And Lord, it is in you alone that we find life. It is in you alone that we are sustained. It is in you and in your story and in your working in the innermost parts of our being that we receive wholeness. And Lord, we come and we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this season. And Lord, we refuse to give you the leftovers. Lord, we are going to give you our very best. We are going to do our part. We are going to give our hearts. And so for us today who come, we've been living life and gosh, it just seems like there's no room for Jesus. For those of us who are so taxed, taxed in our relationships, taxed in our bad decisions, taxed in our fallenness, taxed in our sin, there's hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. That hope is in Jesus. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what has brought you to this moment and this time and in this place, this Christ who was born so long ago, born in a manger, a feeding trough, come and feed on Jesus. He is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness. And though you and I dance with the devil, and though you and I experience darkness all around us and brokenness, he is in our
time meant make glad the city of God. The city on a hill is dwelling in us. The kingdom of God has come and is available to us. Do we have room for the king? Or are our lives so cluttered today in this invitation? We want to let go of the clutter. We want to let go of the tacks. We want to let go of the brokenness. We want to peel back the onion. We want to peel back the experience. We want to experience Christ for who he is. May he be made known in our worship and in our hearts. Because that's ultimately what he desires with our hearts.